a long time ago in a station far, far, really far away. Actually, it was last Thursday. Work began in a top secret project over at Hutton, burning a candle at both ends and dribbling wax all over things that shouldn't have wax dribbled on them. The project took shape. What shape it was, you'd need a PhD in nth dimensional blobs to understand, but it looked interesting. The good news is that the secret project finished and the team member who was kidnapped was returned. He's been given a dose of stimulants, performance enhancers and more Hutton brand coffee than is usually safe for human consumption. But he has recovered enough to be able to say, Our mics are live! Good evening, everyone, once again, and welcome to Hutton Orbital Radio. We are your news team, but before we begin, we've had a complaint. Only one? Yeah, just the one. Apparently there aren't enough bad jokes in the show anymore. Apparently for a group that numbers bonkers and haghole amongst its systems and stations, there's entirely too few rude jokes. What, what sort of jokes? Well, you know, knob jokes for starters. Well, I've got a big one. Harry! It's, it's not big, and it's not clever. What else? The anonymous commander has said that there weren't enough double entendres. We could give him one. And then there was the question of the toilet humour. Um, there's nothing humorous about Cubicle 3. Unless you're up to your elbow and trying to clear a U-bend of a mysterious blockage. Well, it did strike a bum note. Well, uh, now that that's all cleared up, it, it's time for the uh, the serious bit, the headlines. The commander who's more lonely than dead meat GF on a Saturday night. Monet, Manet, or Misplay Mayday? Hanky's sent in the clones? Hotshot leads hotshot to hotshot hot spots. You'll sing happy birthday if you know what's good for you. Is President Hudson a virtual failure? Urgent appeal. These systems are small, but those are far away. I'll be approvingly covering community unity opportunity and searching for the scriptwriter with my best frying pan. Far, far from the madding crowd, far away and further than anyone has ever travelled unaided, is the aim of Commander Deluvian. To be as distant as possible and make it back without help from fuel rats or anyone else. He's already broken the previous record set by Ken Commander Kenneth McGrew, which was 157.06 light years beyond Simotus Beacon, which is 65,804 light years from Sol, and is still confident of going further. 
The fuel rats are alternating between chewing at their fingernails and peeking out at their displays through their fingers. You can see why they don't try and do both of those at once. And wincing whilst mouthing, Come back now, that's enough! They're just hoping against hope that Commander Deluvian can make it. If he doesn't, they know they'll be in for many sleepless nights, planning and executing a rescue. And their partners are already suspicious about their prolonged absences after the last one. So, in the interests of interpersonal relationships, we wish Commander Deluvian all the best. And for goodness sake, no one telling me left the gas on. Commander Babster, desperate to prove to the world that he's more than just that type of artist, took his SRV onto the surface of a dusty planet and proceeded to use it as a six-wheeled paintbrush, moving backwards and forwards, creating circles, loops, gracefully going this way and that like a powdery Picasso, showing a mastery of the form, all whilst whistling the theme tune to Vision On's gallery section. Almost balletic in his driving grace, this Pastéon finishing with a grand jet, a pirouette, and a flourish. Despite all of the encouragement from Commanders Deadmeat GF and W1LLO104, now there's a name that's better read than read out, um, the final image was not that of a piece of human anatomy, but rather that of either a non-gender-specific humanoid playing football, Genghis Khan playing keepy-uppy with a human head, or a person with a silly hat foolishly running towards a Catherine wheel on Guy Fawkes night. All we know is that as far as SRV-based art is concerned, there's a very good reason that Commander Beetlejude has stuck to pencil, chalks and paints for her masterpieces. Clonemeister and hoarder of elite statuses, King Hankey has sent his emissary, Chris Hankey, with one of his fleet carriers. Yeah, just one of them. This one's called Forsake Hankey. We think there's a word missing in there. From Colonia, his natural habitat, over to Hutton Orbital, his spiritual home. During the trip, our old friend Buck Naked hitched a ride, and elbowing his way into the presidential suite, promptly drank all of the Iranian pearl whiskey and made a considerable dent in the stock of Kamitra cigars. Ever the convivial host, Chris Hankey broke out the Bast Snake Gin. You'll remember that Amelia Hawke covered this particular beverage in the Galnet Food Digest of June the 18th, 3306. And vodka, which turned out to be Bass Snake Gin again, just with the little worm taken out, in the hopes that it would last for the rest of the 16 and a half hour journey. But he reckoned, without the effects of the collision, that would inevitably happen between loose knockers and a free bar. The result is that the Forsake Hanky is now as dry as an AA meeting in the Atacama Desert during a particularly dry year, if it had been moved to Antarctica. And Lou is woken up being able to count the teeth in his head from the noise that they make just while laying there. And sporting a tattoo of such a design and such a placement that when she sees it, Norma will almost certainly end up needing to buy at least one new frying pan. And that's all as well as maybe. But why did Hanky do it? Why did he send this, the newest and shiniest of his fleet carriers, all the way back to Hutton, the centre of the civilised galaxy? We think that having been one of the first to emigrate to Colonia, the clone maker has got all his elites, all of his wealth, and all of the ships that he possibly could, and like Alexander, he wept for there were no more worlds to conquer. But 
But, he thought, hang on a minute, what about the bubble? And so, having left the cradle of civilization as just one more traveller, he now returns as his own mighty army with unlimited wealth and will unfold the hanky across the bubble until we all feel his cotton-rich influence. Beware, as his hordes disembark from the carrier and launch from Hutton, each of them in a single ship, carrying the book that will ensure that they spread the doctrine to every station, every outpost, every port. We will all soon be very, very familiar with Bobby Fisher teaches chess. It is said that those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. This was proven true this week for Commander Destructo, Listen Zero, who obviously forgot what happened to Flossie's ship when we reported it in the news three weeks ago. Commander Destructo, Lesson Zero, wanted one of those photo sessions alone with his ship out in the Hyades. He left the ship on an EVA where he got his space tripod out, attached his trusty no-hassle-blad, pointed it at the gleaming ship and proceeded to start snapping away with such encouragements as Nose up a little, open your cargo scoop. Is that a ship yet or are you just pleased to see me? And look hot for me, no hotter. It was at this point that he realised that his instructions may have been taken just a wee bit too literally, as gouts of flame lazily played across the surface of the ship and small but significant explosions could be seen, no doubt causing damage to the paintwork. He hurried back inside the ship and activated the fire extinguishers, but not before almost all of his systems were fried, and the percentage heat display exploded in a cascade of digits. Commander Destructo, lesson zero, says that he's learned his lesson. He's determined not to let his uh, artistic urges get the better of him, and he'll remember not to put his book down on the silent running button when leaving next time. However, he says he's not completely repaired the ship, as he quite looks her dirty. Information has come to us from a trusted source that may shed light on the so-called confession of Chief Technician Rory Webster in the case of the sabotage of Starship One. We understand that this new evidence shows that his confession was in fact coerced in an attempt by the notorious leader of the Camera Pirates, Don Ancinacci to keep the headlines sufficiently anodyne that everyone would be in a good mood for his birthday and that he would get lots of lovely presents. In the interests of galactic harmony and because we are sure that those guys must be hot and uncomfortable wearing fedoras and sunglasses indoors and that unless they're all part of a string quartet that doesn't care about social distancing those black cases probably don't contain violence. We'd like to wish the dastardly Don a very happy birthday for yesterday. Incidentally, we found that the Don didn't need to worry. We heard that the problem with the power regulators on Starship One actually came out because of an import error in the source of the calcium that's used to make the casing. The shipyard was using old eggshell which has a limited capacity, but they should have been using much newer eggshell, which can deal with a much larger number of casings. We were hoping that President Hudson would have been talking to us via Hollow Me this evening, 
to give us his State of the Galaxy address and talking to the hollow me of the Empire's Ashling Duval in what was sure to be a spirited debate. Unfortunately, the President has refused to appear unless he can do so in person. And he says, I'm not going to appear via hollow me. They make your hair look stupid and the skin colour always comes out too bright. And someone else also has control of the voice comm, so I can't shout enough. We understand that instead of taking part in a debate, President Hudson will be attending a rally of his troops so that he can take every opportunity to shake them all by the hand, look them closely in the eye and whisper in their ear, never be afraid, in a move that is sure to unite all of his followers in their future actions. We have an urgent incoming message from Snuggles McKeague. Well, hello there, pilots. We've gone into a live expansion. Normally, we just let them run, but this time we've our eye on a system. So what do I want you to do? We need to lower the faction LP73432 Company in Wolf 562 as low as we can. Now, how do we do this? We work for every other faction in the system. By doing this, we can lower the target faction. Currently, the work list is... Wolf 562 Major Inc. Wolf 562 first. Justice Party of Wolf 562. Black Alliance Industries. The other two factions are currently in civil war, so no work for them in the meantime. Expansion lasts about six to seven days, so we need to keep this up for about a week. So, exploration data. Missions, trade, bounties are all good. Hopefully, this works, and we end up where we want to be. Other than that, everything's looking too high in some places, but generally stable. Standing orders are keep everything apart from the one we've just talked about, under 60%, and over 40%. However, as we are already in expansion, we can loosen our belts and not worry about them too much at the moment. The ones at the bottom of the pile are looking calm, with no disasters inbound, no infrastructure failures, no outbreaks, no famine, pestilence or federal government live debates, no horsemen of the BGS, which means no excuses. Let's do the necessary over in 562, and Operation Wolf Hunt may just fluke a hole in one. Over in Colonia, we are in an election in tier again. Local elections only, nothing major, but we don't like to lose, otherwise we lose our seat at the big table. So, work for hot coal there, doing the usual non-combat options. Doriso's looking a bit tired, so if you want something else to do, give it a little tickle. That's it from the Hot Pit team report. It's time to look at what Norma Snockers has got out for the community this week. We've got a few new community events to tell you about this week. This Sunday, the 11th of October, is the sixth race in the Elite Races AWD SRV Endurance Championship. The race is a 92km sprint between Salberb Escape and Cousteau Barracks on Skinfaxi 3D. With a large crater halfway and a decision about whether to go straight through it or try to go around it. Expect speeds well in excess of 100 metres a second for this one, and several DNFs did not finish. Race is due to start around 17.30 UTC and will be covered live on Black Maze's YouTube channel as usual. Details are on the Bucky Ball Racing Club 3306's Discord channel 
and hopes are high that someone will. Alec Turner, I'm looking at you here. May finally show Commander Shea Blackwood what a silver medal looks like amongst his collection of golds. The Paladin Consortium presents Newbie Tuesday. We've got a new regular event from the Paladin Consortium brought to us by their representative Dan DeLion. They say, Do you feel like you're being picked on by more experienced PvP players? Are you afraid of entering open play for fear of being attacked by a random pirate or serial killer? Have you ever been in a situation where you've wished you were better at PvP? Maybe you've successfully interdicted someone and had been left confused as they've managed to run before you've even deployed your hard points. Then this is the event for you. Once a month starting this coming Tuesday the 13th of October at 1900 UTC, here we hope to teach the art of survival to all those interested in learning covering topics such as how not to die, best practice to counter mass lock, interdiction experience, which loadout suits me best, engineering for the survivalist, how to shoot without getting shot too badly, and of course the noble art of running away. Training is to be provided by Mike Metallic of the Warriors of Word and will take place outside the famous Big Papa's base in Andarimi. Join our Discord today at http colon slash slash bit dot ly slash palcon discord and mention that you'd like to take part in the PvP training. CCCG's getting a bit like the shops. As soon as the first leaf starts to drop, everything's about Christmas, and this one's no exception. Christmas Carriers Convoy 5 The first Christmas convoy with carriers, in conjunction with its collaborators, Shadow of the Phoenix and Colonia Citizens Network, would like to extend this tradition to the far reaches of space by delivering presents to Colonia in time for the annual festivities. They ask that the following commodities be delivered, but are not limited to 1. Gold Doesn't get more appropriate 2. Tea For post-dinner refreshment 3. Kamitra cigars Post-wine relaxation 4. Sonoma decorative meat, Christmas dinner. 5. Xee by form bimorphic companions, a pet is for Christmas, not for life. 6. Rare wines and liquors or any rare good involving alcohol, for post tea refreshment. 7. Fruits and vegetables, Christmas dinner. 8. Crystalline spheres, their snow globes. 9. Passengers, party guests, commodities are to be delivered to Centralis, Surface Port, Phoenix Harbour, passengers may be disembark at any Colonia port. Launch date is 1st of December 3306, with a de- delivery cut-off on Christmas Eve 24th of December. Multiple trips are encouraged if you are able to do so. The start point will be Carbon Headquarters, of the Shadow of the Phoenix. Full details are on edsm.net and we've for a short link to make it easy for you to find bit.ly slash 
X-M-A-S-C-O-N-V-O-Y 5. That's Xmas Convoy 5. Well, that's all the news from the community this week. Don't forget to let us know if you're organising an event and we let your, your fellow truckers know all about it. Flossy will be along later to bring us up to speed with the community goals from the Pilots Federation. And there we are. Ah. Well, yeah, we have been having to feed the meat this evening, and thank you very much, Sean, who is our emergency backup inflatable tech for the evening. Um, we went live about one minute past half past, and then it said, no, you're not allowed to go live. And then it said, no, you're not allowed to go live repeatedly. And so our emergency backup tech, Sean, has jumped in. What a way to do your first Hutton broadcast, eh, Palantir? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. yeah, and obviously Sean, Sean's doing a, a bang-up job there. I mean, obviously the, the, the bongs are happening, the music's happening, people's mics were, were live, or I assume we're live. I mean, we could be talking out to absolutely nobody at the moment. But, um, no, I'm sure um, our, our backup... That's backup what happens tech, when we <laughs> Our backup tech's backup tech norm, I think, has given us the thumbs up that we're actually broadcasting at the moment, which is fantastic. So, yeah, we're really sorry about the, the late start there. Goodness knows why. Went live with a stream earlier in the day. That was fine. Went live in the evening, and... It's Thursday. That's normal, isn't it? Oh, yeah. 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 For a Thursday. Yeah, the rest of the week just hates Thursday, doesn't it? <laughs> it does just... Yeah, um, whether whether it is your good old-fashioned software updates from your operating system provider or drivers misbehaving or whatever else, it, it if it's going to happen, it happens on a Thursday. But I think I sent you a little... Um, a little video palantir didn't i uh, earlier in the week mm -hmm. yes it had a rude Which, word in it one that i hadn't heard well for at least four seven 47 seconds before that you are, yes yeah you know get everything perfect and then windows wants to do an update anyway well so we you know we're, we're live in the galaxy um, it's been a it's been an interesting and and busy week but we might as well um yeah, introduce the team this evening. Um, you will have heard the tones earlier of amelia hawk good evening amelia Good evening, sir. Have you met any strange, mysterious blue men this week? <laughs> um, uh, one, just one. And one. you met him too. No, I didn't. Well, I don't believe I... in the mysterious blue man. I, I suspect <laughs> our captain is actually seeing things. Well, you did meet a rather shifty fellow anyway that wasn't blue. His name was Nick, and he was trying to buy my soul, I think was yeah. the, the size old, of it. Old Nick Scratch, I believe. And so our, our ship's captain paid somebody else for their soul and sold theirs instead, which was, you know. Which, yeah, which, as you do, you know. And I thought you all had consciences. I do. But I, I now can't, unfortunately can't see, because I was struck blind in the whole process. You know, I, I have well, no idea what's going better. on. It's getting better. Yeah. Uh, for those that are wondering, obviously, our Tuesday night um, session of uh, Traveller resurrected this week, having had a, a sabbatical for a week. Um, so, uh, yes, Dead Meat GF, who's not here this evening, and uh, Commander Hober Mallow, and you, and Sandrine, and me. Yeah. And, and uh, maybe Baz soon. Um, or Commander Kinrain. Yeah. Um, have other adventures out in the galaxy that don't involve... Um, well, they involve a different kind of RNG, random number generator, don't they? They're the dice-shaped ones. But these are digital yes. dice, which is even digital. more interesting. Yeah. But other than that, Amelia, um, your week has been gainfully spent um, barbecuing... No, you were roasting pumpkin seeds or something, weren't you? Yes. Um, you know, because we we just hit October and everyone's preparing for Halloween, you see a lot of pumpkins in the shop now... 
Um, I love Halloween, um, but mostly because of the food. <laughs> right. What, you just like knocking at people's doors and say, give me all your chocolate? <laughs> um, no, I'm not a big fan of chocolate. I like the autumn flavours, the pumpkins, the squashes, the warm foods that just that flow through your body. No, you, you, know? you can't beat a good squash in, in autumn, can you? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And you can do um, so much with them. Oh, well, squash them, I'd imagine. That's a, that's a good start. Yes, squash them. You can squash your squash. Them, pie them. And there is a very good reason why we have you as the voice of the Galnet Food Digest, because you actually know what you're talking about with tasty food. Yeah, I I like food. (laughs) Yeah, well, me too, as my waistline attests. Um, Food likes me as well. Um, But yes, we're we're heading off to 47 SETI later in the show, I think, for uh, the the Galnet Galnet Food Digest to try and... um, Little bunny rabbits this week. Yep. Lucky, Keep lucky rabbits for bunny rabbits. I don't know because these galnet foods are supposed to be dangerous. Oh, they are. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're looking forward to hearing about that one. And Commander Flossie. Yes. Hello. <coughs> Good evening. You had quite a pile of community events to talk about there. Yeah, that was quite a few, wasn't it? <laughs> yep. Um, obviously, some of them are sort of well in advance. So the the December one is yeah first of December yeah, to twenty fourth of December, but seeing as it's still March, that's a long way away. <laughs> still March, uh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's no, it's still March until I say otherwise. Um, there's that one. Have obviously, you, there's blowing that things to your up. Wife? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but, don't but start it with can't that. be still March. I got my birthday coming up. <laughs> my kitchen table's beginning to be covered in Christmassy things. It's well, terrible. It is the two hundred seventy ninth of March. <laughs> exactly <laughs> yes um so yeah and then there's some pew pew stuff and the Paladin, our friends at the paladin consortium have got a little event on uh, with dandelion and uh yeah and we've of course got got our own uh, uh regular events now we haven't heard anything from the new hot boss yes uh, and segue nicely from you know hot boss and flossy over to the apology officer hello briefly Yes. Hello. Have we heard from I mean the new hot boss hasn't been seen at the orbital yet. No, we ha- well, he usually gets shot when he goes to the orbital, so that's <laughs> right. that's the thing. Um I think he's been a bit busy with other things, but yeah, we'll give my give my poke over the weekend and we'll maybe get him on next week or something like that. Yeah, we will have yeah. to drag him into the studio, put a bright light in his face and then threaten yes. him with Flossie's pan or something. Commander Malice XR3, otherwise known as Andrew Swaziland. Malice XR3 sounds much more impressive. Not Andrew Swaziland, come on. Well, well maybe, <laughs> maybe. Um, but so yeah, hopping back to Flossie, I'm, I'm jumping around the studio a tiny bit. So, Commander Flossie, um, are you uh, been out and about in the CGs this week as well? Mm, no, because the combat CGs. <laughs> if we, if we, oh, hang on, that that's that's a false denial. That we know you love the combat ones. I don't. <laughs> I don't do combat. You know, tail gunner in a Type Ten in a past life. I <laughs> know uh, combat in in a uh, World War Two bomber is a bit different. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm pretty sure a Type Ten turns just about as well as some of those uh, World <laughs> War Two era bombers as well. Um, but so you've not been doing that. You've just been potling around the galaxy for a bit, have you? Uh, yeah, I've been um, I've been trying to get up and the, with the Empire to see if I can get up to the uh, Duke level, but uh, I haven't succeeded yet. And uh, obviously, you're you're coming up in a bit in the show with a bit more information on last week's CG and the new CGs. I mean, this is an unstoppable machine. This Tolmy character, isn't he? A CG yeah. after CG oh, yeah. after CG. Yeah. King Arthur. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 hard to 
keep up with things sometimes. I mean, because we've got the Federation and, the, you know, what, what is it? Art mirroring life, mirroring art going on mm. there with... Uh... Now, I I think weeks ago, Palantir, I did say to you, it's you definitely you Hudson. Did... Stuff. I don't listen to any of it, but, you know. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. I, I said, it's definitely Hudson. Yeah, yes, I remember that being mentioned. Yep, yep. And I'm still sticking with it. It's definitely... Definitely, definitely him. Albeit we're going to have to jump through all the fiery hoops to find out. But I think Commander Wotherspoon's been searching into things a little bit more. And um, there doesn't appear to be connection with all the Imperial shenanigans going on. But these um, these Thargoid weapon-bearing meanies are... Um, mm. Yeah. It's all very quiet on the Thargoid front as well. Well, somebody's stolen other weapons. <laughs> there you go you've you've just solved, solved. the answer what happened to yeah. the thargoids yeah. the nmla stole all of their toys and hid them in raxler and well, no hid them in a bunch of imperial stations before detonating them i think well they yeah 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 um so yeah that, i mean that's all that's all kicking off and they, these these threads are they connected are they disconnected um but the other one is what's happened to the alliance it's all very quiet in the line space, isn't it? I mean, that's mm. sort of situation normal, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I, yeah, but but yeah, you'd expect to hear something like "ha oh, ha, oh, look at you <laughs> lot, all the trouble you've got, we're safe." Nah, 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 nah. If we were you, we wouldn't have done that. <laughs> what did you, did you know? I've used that phrase many, many times. Yeah, usually hitting the go button on the radio show on a Thursday. I think. Yeah, going. Yeah, I shouldn't have done that. No, definitely shouldn't have done that. Um, so what else have we got coming on the show? So we, we've got the Galnet Food Digest. We've got the Galnet News Digest with Commander mm -hmm. Wotherspoon and potentially a stunt Beetle Jude, his, his erstwhile assistant. Oh, while we're on, when we're, we mentioned Beetle Jude, she did a fantastic painting for me earlier in the week. Well, uh, I saw Did I you mean, she set it? fire to it for you as well. Oh, so she drew your yeah, ship yeah, and then burning, set fire to the picture. Yeah, Burning station with, a, with an orca. It was fantastic. It was um, stunning. She sent me as well. She's done a, a, a week in a video of a, of her drawing the thing. And when you see how she puts it together, especially the silver on the ship, it's incredible because it's not silver. You only, your eyes think it's silver, but it's not silver. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I have to say that Jude... I mean, not that she was bad to start with, but gets better and better as well yeah. with these things. And um, uh, Jude has done us uh, a, a few uh, interesting sketches for the Galnet Food Digest mm -hmm. later. You, you're going to enjoy these ones. So, yeah, you give you give um, Jude the theme of rabbits, rare and dangerous. Oh. <laughs> she hasn't been taking Arthur in with them, has she? Well, no, I, th I think we're a bit light on that one. That, that was a real obvious one, that one. You know, yeah. we haven't got any mentions of Tim. We might have, yeah, but there's no Tim in there. And um, But see how many different references you can find out about, you know, from, from her pictures and the, and the rabbits therein. Mm. And no, there are no pocket watches, I understand, <laughs> anywhere near the Galnet Food Digest. Or signs saying, eat, eat me, drink me. Um, so what else have we got? We've got the return of the sky tonight with Sir N.E.T. Yep. It was on last um, week. Was he on last week? Yeah, it was on know? last week. Yeah, it was on last week. Oh, it was the week before there wasn't one. It, it's yes, the, it's the return week, yeah. of the return of the sky t t tonight. The space cowboy. Yep. Um, and and there is news that uh, Commander Rampage may well be joining us uh, and multi-boxing, not just for Team Hotbox, but popping into a bit of PC territory sometime oh, in the near future as well. Yeah, the, the popular front of Hotbox, Splitter. 
Yeah, well, we're just going to have to create him a new account <laughs> called Noob737. Yes. He will be the probie. He will be the, you know, the the new boy. Yeah, he can't be Rampage 737. He has to be something like Hissy Fitter, a toddler <laughs> tantrum 737. <laughs> yes, at least for a few weeks until he yes. gets his first anaconda. Or days, or hours. Ooh, These days, isn't it? I don't think he's a tours in, get yourself an anaconda type of guy. I think he likes to play his way through, you know. Are we going to see him tooling around in an adder somewhere? You might do. You might do. Tootling yeah. around in a hole. Do, you know, do you know what, actually? That's one thing I've missed out on. You know, this new sort of locked starter bubble that you can't mm-hmm. get out of until you're... Or, well, no, if you do get out, they lock the door behind you, don't they? <laughs> yeah. But um, you you can stay in there and you're you're safe from you know Deathlock and Harry Potter and uh, you know so, some of the the, the code pirates. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've not been in there. I miss I miss some of the early systems. I remember when everything was weird. I mean, Word. <laughs> Do you remember what oh, were the original systems called? We we had. I wasn't. We had... I wasn't Word. That was LHS three four four seven. Oh yes, yeah. And uh, was yeah. that Freeport? It might have been station. so long ago. I don't remember. And there, it was five years, five years ago. And then there was there was there was Word, and there was uh, Orlin. And as, was there a Sellers premise, or was that as? Oh crikey, that goes back away, doesn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, that takes me back. Yeah, well, of course. Talking about taking us back, Flossie, I saw some pictures of you yeah. earlier in the week, dressed Ooh. up in your finery at an event. Was it three years ago? Yesterday, Damn. I think it was three years ago. Yesterday. Possibly, yeah. Um, it was Front- Frontier Expo three years ago yesterday. Oh, yes, that's right. Yes, yes, yeah. And and pictures of the, the tech monkey in his uh, alien outfit, <laughs> his Thargoid outfit. And um, yeah. you, you lot with a T-shirt saying for the mug across them and some prat in a kilt. <laughs> yes, with bright green yeah, socks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, bright green socks, yes. Uh, thank you very thank you very much for yeah, <laughs> reminding me of that one. I, At I what point in the day did someone tell you they were green, Dave? <laughs> they just said, here is the socks. <laughs> well, the best bit was when you went into the main auditorium where the seated bit was to, to watch the stage, they had the UV lights. And under the UV lights, so, I, you know, those things were like, you know, arriving at some super luminous star. <laughs> you look down and you need, you need sunglasses on. They were super luminous. Super luminous, yes. <laughs> uh, as, as long as they weren't loopy Lemniscate ones, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's lots going on in the galaxy. There's lots going on with Hutt and stuff. We did have a couple of people ask questions about, well, there hasn't been an event for ages. Well, there's a good reason for that, because Flossie's busy. I mean, there are so many CGs and everything else. We're, we're just sort of <laughs> letting everything calm down for a little bit first. Mm-hmm. But we do have, um, and I have to ask myself, what does it all mean? Operation Wolf Hunt, which Snuggles McKeague, apologies, Commander Snuggles McKeague for the um, <coughs> stupid accent earlier. Yeah, I was going to def- ask, was that done by the leprechaun of the Lucky Charms advert or something? <laughs> was, <laughs> it, was he standing in for, for Cuddles McKeague's accent? Well, I, I, I think, unfortunately, at some point during the middle of it, some of his um, sort of deep southwest of England heritage came out. Yeah, I well. heard that. So there yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so a lot of there was a bit southwest, of... Yes. Yeah. Mm. Well, there was a bit of southwest and then... then yeah, yeah, a bit of cider country and then I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there must be a little island somewhere off. I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, Bet- off, between off, the south. Uh, yeah, between the southwest of England and say the south coast of Ireland somewhere. Yeah, yeah, they're just out there. There must be. There must be a little island that they, Craggy they must island. come from with a bit. Of, 
Craig well, Island, yeah. do you know, it did sound a bit, at one point, that accent did sound a bit like Tom from Father Ted. <laughs> who was, he was a guy who wore the I Shot GR t-shirt. Oh, yes, yes, of course. <laughs> well, I, I didn't have much of a run-up at that one. We got the emergency signal from um, from Commander Graham M.K. Um, mere minutes before we went on air, saying the, the, the master plan to end up with an expansion to a high-tech system might be and we say might be about to work. So they've managed to get us into expansion from a system we need. Uh-huh. And But what we need to do is keep them at the bottom in the other system. Because if we arrive and they're at the bottom, then we sit on them and go, nah, 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 and then throw them out and the door. squeeze them out, yeah. Yeah. But if they bounce up again, then we can't do that. We'll arrive and they won't kicked off and then we get the wrong person and it all goes wrong. So yeah. uh, It's musical yeah. chairs. We want to get the chair before they do. Yeah, so a Wolf 562, go there, work for everybody except... Now, I, I'm trying to work this one out. So we've got to work for the Major Inc., First Justice Party, Black Alliance. So we don't want to work for the company. Nobody there wants to work for the company. No, but we're happy working for the Major. We're happy working for the First mm-hmm. and the Justice mm-hmm. and the Black Alliance Industries. That sounds dodgy. They don't sound sinister. They don't sound sinister at all. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> you know, what do, what would they sell if you were that company? I mean, that, that, that's uh, unicorn horns harvested freshly from <laughs> freshly harvested. Yeah. Still attached to the unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness! Well, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, so we've got about six to seven days. So we've got six to seven days to go to Wolf 562 and, and just make sure that the company are kept down. Because they're not even from that system. The LP73432 company are an alien, not literally, but you know what I mean, a foreign faction there. So we've got no problem at all kicking them out. Which is the theory. And then, of course, we'll have loads and loads of stuff to do to get us in and up and over and whatever else. So, yes, we're not we're not doing any big events at the moment, mainly because everything in the galaxy is so unsettled and everybody's busy. I think it's the size of it, isn't it? Yeah, that and we've all been yeah. we've all been dead, dead busy as well. Um, I have been, did I've my been f- a mad mission runner and loving every minute of it. I'm really out of touch with missions. And, and where, where are spot. you mad mission running? I uh, just run about. Here and there, there and here, you know, just wherever I, wherever the missions take me. Oh, you've just been hopping station to station have, like yeah, some kind just, of homeless. Yeah, just enjoying it. I haven't done it in ages and ages. And I used to love doing that, so I'm, I'm back at it for a while. Well, that uh, sounds good fun. Well, I um, I haven't had the chance to fly any spaceships this week. No, well, that's not entirely true. Because, um, yeah, I'm, I'm currently living on adrenaline and coffee. Because mm-hmm. on Thursday night, the Hutton Games Room got upgraded. Oh, yeah, the Hutton Games Room got a new toy. The Hutton Games Room new toy, um, yeah, has starships in it, in VR, mm-hmm. and X-Wings, and TIE Fighters, and TIE Bombers, and it harks back to the days of the old... Does anybody remember the old um, TIE Fighter and X-Wing versus TIE Fighter kind oh, of I stuff? Oh, I loved that. Loved it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the the new version of of that, the uh, the Star Wars Squadrons, was upgraded and added to the uh, the Hutton Games Room on Thursday night, at eleven o'clock after the show. Yeah, you said the which Hutton point, Games Room. You haven't let the rest of us anywhere near it. You've been there twenty four hours a day. <laughs> well, that's that's literally quite literally true because obviously I've, I've I've been lending our friends over at HCS Voice Packs a bit of a hand. Obviously, they've been they were very kind and sort of put the Cecil pack back up for charity to raise a bit more for special effect. And we've got I've some, had a, some. I've had a twenty p on the side of that machine for a week now, David. 
<laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I've still got four lives left. Is it um, winner stays on? It winner winner stays on, and I'm winning. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, a, a team of people because um, there's no preview programs. They're not great like uh, the Pilots Federation that actually uh, you know talk to their customers in advance and tell them what they're doing. They uh, <laughs> we were locked out until Thursday evening, and then um, the team sat down logged in worked out how it worked and six days later put out three hcs voice packs just the same as the ones we use to help fly ships out here all the way to hutton um but but designed for the hutton games room and uh the, the squadrons thing and six days flat for three voice packs and i haven't had any sleep <laughs> absolutely broken it's probably why is my that, computers come out in sympathy is that one that answers you like r2d2 uh, no, because uh, the rider that R2-D2 demanded for being actually in the packs was just unreasonable. The, yeah. the things he was asking for. I mean, I don't know how many Princess layers in their skimpies you think we can come up with. <laughs> but the somewhere always between, a bit shady, R2-D2. Yeah, the, somewhere, the, the, the number is somewhere between 0 and 1, and it's not an integer. Yeah. So it's pretty the, close to zero. <laughs> yeah. I suppose um, the, the dressing room just covered in... Castro GTX canisters and things like that as well. Well, yes. <laughs> and a drunk R2 unit behind the couch. I was going to say verbally abusing you with a series of, of woos and whistles and yeah, beeps, woo. but but no, um, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, our, our friend R2 wasn't available to help out, but um, Alex and Legion, who is uh, Michael Dawn, oh. also known as Worf from Star Trek, so we've crossed oh. the boundaries there. Uh, and Alpha, the the ship's AI with no name, that sounds suspiciously like I don't know, he's a bit 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 cowboy, a bit um, bounty hunter maybe. But obviously, any resemblance to TV characters, fictional or otherwise, is entirely coincidental. <laughs> but um, yeah, so they're, they're they're good fun, and obviously that went live at three o'clock this morning. Excellent! You must have been so thrilled. Yeah, live at three well, o'clock this morning. That makes one of you. Yeah, well, thrilled, David was. thrilled and, and panicked. Are we about to have loads of messages from people saying, "But my joystick doesn't"? Oh goodness knows. Um, but no, it, it's gone really well, and really well done to to Paul and the team. Some of the some of the, the high speed programming. I think it's called Crunch, isn't it? That kind of programming where you you do it right up to the last minute um, with all hands on deck. But um, really well done to the team because um, I've used it. Uh, I've had a right old laugh. Um, I have been blown up more times because obviously we're trying to test things. At which point people are shooting you. So have no, you done I'm a, trying to test this turret. <laughs> have yeah. you done a trench run, run yet? I, I haven't. I, I have done the opening sequence from the movies where the you know where the the star destroyer goes over over your head just oh, in yeah, reverse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have seen somebody destroy the little balls that are on top of it, and you know what I mean, in an A wing as they do in the movies. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's quite a cinematic experience. It, it, it's um, you do get that. Uh, that feeling I remember getting years and years ago when playing TIE Fighter. It, it's good. For, it's like CQC on performance enhancers. I like that. I like that. There's nothing more to it than that. Hop in the ship, blow stuff up, rinse and repeat, have fun. Yep. Fantastic. Yep. There is a campaign that teaches you how to do it, but that, that's all good fun as well. Do you get the whole sense of scale when you get close to the, the Star Destroyer? So you're moving so darn quickly that's the other thing yeah. when i say cqc on performance enhancers my goodness gracious it's on performance enhancers then yeah i mean it does take you a while to get from end to end but usually they've killed you before you can get to the <laughs> other end um there's there's one of the missions where your wing leader on the on the campaign decides oh, let's fly directly under this starter instead of going round it 
Yeah. Let's just fly directly under it. And the first five or six times, um, yeah, I mean, it just sort of, you hit the go button and then there's pew pew and then there's boom and death. The trick is to fly casual, I believe. Do you know, do you know what? That is exactly how I completed that mission. <laughs> I let them go first. Then the pew pew happens to other people. It's a bit like that old adage, you know, if you're if you're being chased by a bear when you're with a, out with a mate, you don't have to run faster than the bear. You just have to run faster than your mate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know that <laughs> one. Oh, yes. But no, I'm see, incredible job um, done by the guys there. And obviously there's, there's, there's more coming out for us us real pilots in our real ships with, uh, with Crusoe and everything else. But um, seeing sort of under the curtain behind the scenes there was uh, fascinating on how some of these things come together. Um, and yeah, I'm a bit broken, but incredible good fun. The Hutton Games Room, it's in there. It is, it is still well worth a few minutes of your time, albeit <clears throat> a few bugs. Not, not in our side on on the actual, um, yeah, the, the 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 game itself, but nothing, nothing disastrous. Mm, that's good. So yeah, I mean that that's what we've been up to this week. I mean it's been incredible fun. I've just your Star Wars fix, you know. Well, I think we're all of a generation here that sort of grew up with it. Apart from Flossie, who's way too young to remember Star Wars. It was a first... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was... right. <laughs> it was the well, first it... film I saw in the cinema. Yeah, it, well, as they say, it was a long time ago, Flossie, in a galaxy Flossie, far, far, far away. away. Remember that rocket, Flossie, that took off? Seven. You remember it yep. took off, yeah. and, the, and the rocket ended up going into the eye of the man in the moon. You remember that one? Yep. Hmm. Mm, <laughs> well, Flossie was at the premiere for that. <laughs> Was, wasn't wasn't that used in the in the video for uh, Smashing Pumpkins song as well? Mm-hmm. It was no in idea. a video for something. Was it in a? Oh, mm. Amelia might know. Amelia Amelia's a, a a music hound, aren't you? Sorry, say that again. What was the question? Oh, there was a there was somebody describe it to Amelia again. There was a real old video. Um, the Lumiere, I think it was. It was an, it was very early black and white days. The the guy who basically invented so many uh, movie tricks, like stop motion. I mean, they'd film something, they'd stop it, change the what was going on, and then continue. And the cinema audiences had never seen anything like that. And this guy, and there was a documentary. It was um, and the guy was played by Tom Hanks in it. Um, they uh, le voyage dans dans la lune. There yeah. we go. They yeah, actually to took off and to flew to the flew to the moon in a rocket and crashed into the eye of the man in the moon. Cool. It, it's <laughs> yeah. It's obviously it's obviously very very old and naive. But it, to to say what they did there, they invented so many things that we haven't seen before. Well, it can't be that old if Tom Hanks was in it. Bum-tish. <laughs> oh, wasn't wasn't he in World War Two? But anyway, yeah. I so speaking of the Lumiere brothers, did you see the video? I think it was Chris Jarvis put it up. It was a colorized and speed adjusted video of a, a snowball fight from eighteen ninety six. Yes, it was. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and the guy I... rode through the middle on a bike and get abs savagely set upon. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, I tell you what. The question we were asking Amelia was: yes. wasn't that video used in a Smashing Pumpkins song? And uh, um, yes, yes, it was. It was 1996. Tonight, tonight, tonight. Yep, there we go. Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness album. I think that one was from. Good song. Yep. Um, oh, they they made a remake of it, especially for the video. There you go. Oh, I thought I thought I recognised that. 
Anyway, um, so, oh, crikey, where, where are we on the list of other things? I think that's just about it for our bantery bit. Has anybody else got anything to add? Oh, yes, yes we forgot something. One, yes, very important down. thing that we forgot. Well, I don't know. I don't know how one could possibly forget this individual, this swarthy <laughs> individual, this menacing swarthy individual who happens this, to be a lovely, lovely bloke, really. This dastardly individual. Yeah. The dastardly Don Antonacci of Wolf 359, the Camorra mm. mastermind behind so many of Hutton's um, uh, conflicts over the years, had his birthday um, yesterday. I met Don Antonacci at LaveCon. He did the secret handshake and everything, but I'm not in the Camorra, so I couldn't return that. Uh, I, I had the secret handshake. It involved both hands around my neck and then shake vigorously until <laughs> I stopped breathing. Oh, no, I get the, I get the other one. I get the nice one. Oh right, okay. Well, that was just me. I do have photographic evidence of that one as well. It was. Yes. I have. I've been strangled by the Don T-shirt. You'd get the same treatment, Mia, if you stood on someone's shoulders. That that much I can tell you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He did reach out and just swung <laughs> aimlessly, but you know. Yeah, and and obviously the Don put a lovely message up saying that he he um he really appreciates the the Hutton and uh, all, all of the happy birthdays he got from the entire, not just the Hutton team, but also all the Hutton truckers themselves. Um, so yeah, it was a lovely message back. He sent so happy birthday, dastardly Don. Um, you know, you you won't you won't feel fifty at all for at mm-hmm. least another couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> right? Are we are we ready for the next bit? I have to ask our stunt tech, Mister Mister Stunt Tech. We're ready. You've got the no. Un, unlike unlike um, some weeks when I forget it. Who knows? Who knows? It. We'll find out when I push the button. Or we, or we need you to jump in with it on a magic button. Um, so you're ready, are you? I'm ready. You definitely, push, definitely push a button, and something will definitely happen. Just, right. oh, you see, just, to, just to confuse everybody, though. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, we've got something else coming up first, and then something else, and then the flossy music. That was me just completely misreading everything. So um, <laughs> I'm going to read the words that you wrote in, and so this is all your fault. Before we go to our most, first song, most and then the news. <laughs> yeah, well, it is this week because you totally bailed me out. Thank you very much. <laughs> and aside from sending my mum delicious, tasty treats in the process too. <laughs> you know what? You're trying to get nominated, aren't you, for the muggies? <laughs> That's what well, it is. No, my wife, who made the treats for your for your mum and for you, send me some stuff, and I'll vote for you, Sean. I'm not proud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that vote last for him, vote you. for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, so I'm going to read the words that you wrote for me. That's enough fun for one evening. All the fun's now over. Time to get on with the rest of the show. Laughing time is over. It's nearly time for us to hear the news behind the news that is Galnet News Digest. But first, our song this week invokes memories of the very earliest days of Hutton, when we were all stuck in that convoy with you.
News Digest, 8th of October 3306. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's News Roundup... We can forget about Harold now. Empire defeated by Riders Racks. IISS confronts Aquada Marlinists. Up Ship Creek without a pilot. We can forget about Harold now. It's all over for Prince Harold Duval. The bond stations have been repaired thanks to Operation Ida and others. The funeral barge has arrived at the Hall of Martyrs and Prince Harold has been duly interred after mourners tuned to the appropriate frequency and Princess Ashling said she wasn't sure if she could go through with it. The vast feast of caviar and brandy has been consumed and most importantly, the 20% discount on Gutamaya ships has come to an end. Harold can rest in peace in his mausoleum, while the Empire tears itself to pieces outside. Empire defeated by Riders Racks Senator Denton Petraeus' heavy-handed bid to detain engineer Liz Ryder has failed spectacularly. He hoped he'd gain support for the move by pledging to maintain existing engineering services at Demolition Unlimited. But he underestimated Pilots Federation members' allegiance to the Eurobia Blue Mafia. Becoming allied with them is a rite of passage for commanders wishing to own the very best missiles and torpedoes. He also underestimated Liz Ryder's ability to make promises. Commanders who achieve the most kills against the Imperial Task Force can expect to find fully engineered, lightweight and high-capacity Class II Seeker missile rack with thermal cascade delivered to their personal armoury at the Orioflerbal starport by Saturday. If Ryder comes good on her promise, these will be the first Seeker missile racks ever engineered to be simultaneously lightweight and high-capacity. We can only imagine what revelations Senator Petraeus' interrogators might have wrung out of Ryder had she been detailed. Will this setback embolden the neo-Marlinist terrorists to strike again? The one thing we do know. Liz Ryder may look unassuming in her photographs, but it turns out she has the most impressive racks in the galaxy. Double S confronts Aquada Marlinists. <laughs> 
Imperial forces have invaded Equada. An anticipated event apparently delayed for a week by the attempt to arrest Liz Ryder. The Imperial Internal Security Service claims that neo-Marlinist terrorists are being harboured in the system. In a statement, the IISS said, The Dudu Sectless Empire League is one of several organisations that publicly accepted the principles of Marlinism. Our intelligence suggests it is allowing the NMLA to radicalise its citizens into becoming activists for the paramilitary group. Operations to investigate this potential nest of terrorists have been met with armed resistance. Imperial auxiliaries and independent pilots are requested to assist the regulatory state of Aquada in defeating all pro-Marlinist forces in the Aquada system. The Duduseklis Empire League insisted that it remains loyal to the Emperor, but that it will do its best to prevent the IISS taking any prisoners. To this end, it is preparing megaships to take possible suspects to safety, and has appealed for assistance fending off the IISS while this work takes place. It seems likely that the evacuation will take more than a week, however. In this initial phase, both the Empire and the Marlinists have requested combat assistance from whoever is willing to help. Up Ship Creek Without a Pilot Recent proposals that from early next year, commanders will be able to complete their entire career on foot without ever owning a ship raises the somewhat thorny question of whether someone without a ship, who has never flown a ship, and who has no interest in flying spaceships of any sort, could possibly qualify as a member of the Pilots' Federation. Commanders, will they be commanders, will make their living completing missions, researching the local flora and fauna, and scavenging for anything of value in wrecks and in settlements. If they need to travel around, they will presumably have access to some sort of surface vehicles, but failing that, there's Apex Travel, who can transport you locally on a planet, around the planets in a system, or even between planets. Perhaps such commanders, or shall we call them pedestrians, will have their own organisation, the Non-Pilots Federation, the Mudhuggers Club, the Association of Surface Dwellers and Miscellaneous Operatives, that will compete with the Pilots Federation for members. Perhaps the Pedestrians Association will win commanders round with their low cost of ownership, their stylish new apparel, including the Vader range of combat gear, and the ability to pick flowers, get handy with a monkey wrench and lockpicking gear, and to chat with an interesting selection of men with missions and people with proposals, as well as shop clerks, travel agents, spaceship salesmen, who you can tell you're just browsing, and people who are apparently fencing specialists. It all sounds a lot more appealing than spending months at a time on the pilot's seat, doesn't it? It's nearly time to stand on our own two feet and to forge our own personal, personal narrative. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to. Personal narrative. Commander Chicks, I'm Commander Omleti. Welcome to Hutton Radio. 
Commander Chicks? Hello? Hello? Is this thing on? Bloody technology. Hello? I, I can hear you. Oh, hello. Good evening. Ah, I think you can hear me now. Good evening to you too. Welcome to Hutton Radio. So, um, I understand that you're carrying over 20 billion credits worth of exploration data. Um, closer to 21 billion according to my carto logger, yes. I last docked at Colonia and dropped just over a billion there. Since then I've visited over 13,000 systems. And uh, can I ask you your current position? Uh, I'm sitting upright in my chair in the cockpit at the front. Um, looking out the window? No, I mean, where are you in the galaxy at the moment? Oh yes, um, ah yes, I see. Ah, sorry. Well, I'm a Lyad Yankee Julia India Delta 90, or Amundsen Star, the southernmost system in the galaxy. Hence the name, you know. Another one of those fleet carriers is here too. Big ugly thing. Wow, that's interesting. It's, um, far out, even. Uh, which route did you take to get all the way out there? Um, from the bubble, I meandered north to Sagittarius A-star via the neutron fields, then on to Colonia. It's been a while since I was there. From Colonia, I went up across the abyss to Samotus Beacon, north of Beagle Point, and then the long way around the Galactic Rim via Magellan's star, the easternmost system in the galaxy, to here. A sort of noon to six o'clock. Mmm, six o'clock. It must be time for a Megagin. Crikey! How long did that take? Well, let's see. I left Beagle Point in the middle of 3305, and it took me about a year to get to Magellan's star, and then another three, no, four months to get to Amundsen. Before that, it took me a year to get to Beagle Point via Sagittarius A-star and Colonia. So almost, um, hang on, I've run out of fingers. Um, almost two and a half years since I left the bubble. And have you always been an explorer? Well, I suppose in a way I have. But a pilot needs to earn enough to live on, and to run a ship isn't cheap. I started at 18, scraping enough credits to run and upgrade my Cobra Mark III. And then, in small leaps and bounds, I was off exploring the galaxy. Exploration was my first love, much nobler than selling things or killing people. It was my first elite rank, then trading. I was never much of a miner. I grew bored of stories of void opals, mother loads, hot spots and striking it rich. The ones that made the most out of it all were the ones that sold the mining equipment. I thought breaking rocks was for convicts to pass the time. I guess I never cared about the money. There are commanders who love only credits, or ships. So many ships they don't even know how many they have. And then the combat. I grew tired of the killing, but converting that double elite into a triple was too tempting for me. Once I gained that, I needed to get away from it. So, in 3304, I set off into the black. So, which ship did you choose for your journey and how is it holding up? I took my explorer Conda, the John Pym. The old girl in, is holding up fairly well, I suppose. A few more rattles and a few more wires hanging out here and there, you know. Truth be told, she had the odd stray wire hanging out when she was brand spanking new in the shipyard. Nothing that a few more cable ties and some gaffer tape won't fix. In fact, duct tape and zip ties seem to be a feature of the decor around here these days. Hmm. 
And um, do you own many other ships? I have a handful, parked up at various stations around the bubble. I have my old battered Cobra Mark III. I'll never part with her. I'll never forget the moment I flew her out of the slot at Leif Station as a boy 35 years ago. Many memories, many shared moments we have. Endurance, my unarmed, unshielded Aspect Explorer, is parked at Jameson Station. We went to Sagittarius A-Star together back in the day, before ships were better engineered and before Guardian tech was discovered. A 37 light year jump at most. That was a hairy trip, I can tell you. There's Broadsword, my Ferdy Lance, my Hunter. But an elegant ship, a deadly ship. Danny Boy is my Vulture, which is always great fun to fly if you can put up with the bloody racket it makes. Lastly, my battle wagon, my corvette, the Compass Rose, is a relic of my combat elite rank. A grisly business that was. She's sitting at Jameson Station, gutted of many grade 5 modules which I refitted into my Explorer Condor. So, um, do you not miss human contact out in the black? No, not really. I've never suffered from what commanders call going space crazy self-destructing their ships in the hope that their emergency beacon will find sympathetic ears and then they'll get picked up and returned to civilised space. A slave ship to Achenar, more likely. And, um, were you able to stay in touch with developments in the galaxy while you've been out here in the far reaches of the Rim? You know, it's odd. At some point I could no longer receive Galnet transmissions. I didn't know if it was the distance or whether something was blocking the signal or if it was a comm system malfunction in my ship. After all, she's getting on a bit now and we've seen quite a bit of action and made a few visits to the repair yard. She started out as my armed trader and I earned my second elite rank in her, which I imagine has all taken a toll. But yes, Galnet was a mystery. Sagittarius I was the same. Suddenly it just seemed to become erratic. Even the archers. An everyday tale of galactic folk went a little odd. Just one character talking to themselves. Very weird. Even David Archer, a really great farmer, outstanding in his field, just talking to himself. That was odd. Whatever the cause, my comms were re-established after I stumbled upon one of those new fleet carriers out in the black. Big bugger it was too. So I was able to restore my ship systems integrity. Now I can receive Galnet transmissions regularly again. You were lucky to find the fleet carrier so far out. I saw it on my system chart and I didn't know what it was. A generation ship perhaps? Wow, that would be a find, but surely too far out. Then I remembered that I'd heard garbled references to fleet carriers. In particular, how big and expensive they were, how much they cost to run, and that was a great deal of confusion about how much fuel they used. But yes, I was thankful to find one so far out, and I was able to fully re-establish my ship integrity. So, um... Will you be buying a fleet carrier when you sell all your exploration data once you're back in the bubble? I mean, you could certainly afford to buy five. I'm not sure. I haven't thought about it that much. I might test fly one if they do that sort of thing. I don't really want to know what I'd use it for. Aren't you worried about using so much data? I'm, I'm sure I would be. No, not really. It's not about the money, but it would be nice to return all those discoveries. However, I'm careful. I don't land on many planets these days like I did when I was set out. Certainly nothing IG. Both SRVs have been in the hangar for a while now. I had a good stock of materials and still have plenty left for synthesis. I'm down to my last four heat sinks though, but that should be enough. 
I don't carry any cargo either, which makes me a waste of time for pirates. But there are always those out there who seem to kill, just for fun. And uh, when are you planning to be back in the bubble? Ah, soon. Four weeks, perhaps. It's only 20,000 light years, and I'd quite like to be home for Christmas. Well, Commander Chicks, thank you for sharing your journey with us here at Hutton Radio. And I wish you all the best for your return to the bubble. This is Commander Omleti bringing you the news from the edge of the galaxy. Yes, thank you. Goodbye. Um, since we're off the air, would you like to go for a drink when I get back? Huh. We're still broadcasting, you saucy sod. It's Fluffy here with, with this week's CG News. The fight for Liz Ryder and the Yuri Beer Mafia finished somewhere between tiers 4 and 5 with 41,293,445,345 credits earned. As they were victorious, supporters ending in the top 75% of contributors will have a fully engineered, lightweight and high-capacity Class 2 seeker missile rack with thermal cascade put into storage for them at the Oya Flurable Starport by the 10th of October. I can hear typing. <sighs> Fight for the Empire with the Keltum Empire League finished somewhere between tiers 3 and 4. With five billion four hundred and fifty million five hundred and ninety thousand five hundred and ten credits. Now for this week's new CGs the fight for the Empire with the regulatory state of Aquada or the fight for the Marlinists with the Duduescalis Empire League. The Empire has targeted a Marlinist faction that is suspected of supporting the Neo Marlinist Liberation Army. The Imperial Internal Security Service made this statement. The Dudu Eclis Empire League is one of several organisations that publicly accepted the principles of Marlinism. Our intelligence suggests it is allowing the NMLA to radicalise its citizens into becoming activists for the parliamentary group. <coughs> Our local representative, the regulatory state of Aquada, has requested the support of independent pilots against any resisting anarchist forces. The operation will begin on the 8th of October at 1300 UTC. The Dudu Empire League broadcast this message. If NMLA members have been recruited from our people, it is certainly not with our knowledge. The Empire is using a terrorist hunt to justify persecuting millions of ordinary citizens whose only crime is to believe in Republican ideals. We are countering this unwarranted aggression to ensure these political refugees escape imprisonment. 
The stronger our resistance, the more megaships we can flee this system. We desperately need help so we can transport thousands of innocent families to safety. The resistance will be on the 8th of October at 1300 UTC. The initial two phases will be preparation, after which the bulk of the refugees will be able to leave, followed by additional waves. To be eligible for rewards, you must sign up as an active participant before handing in combat bonds at either Glorious Destiny for the Empire or Wishes Camp for the Marlinists in the Aquada system. And this is due to end on the 14th of October at 6am UTC. But if one side completes first, both CGs will end immediately. Uh, note that the 14th is actually next Wednesday. And that's this week's CG News. Told you what to do. Thank you, Flossie. Do we have a side that we prefer for these CGs or is it just... A Free for all, whichever one anybody fancies. You're asking me about a combat CG. Is one going to help Hutton more than the other? Do we know? Or I, we just I, don't I, care? I don't know. In that case, go and do what you I feel. think we'd like people to escape, wouldn't we? Like, <laughs> the human. <laughs> yes. Yeah, just, just go and do what you do. Do what whatever feels like the 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 nicest thing to do. The the just be amazing. Do something. <laughs> don't do nothing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll do nothing, but you can do something. <laughs> I might. I might. <laughs> Lovely. And on that note, <laughs> it's probably time to hand over to the apology officer for the Hutton Helper Highlight Harvey. Any more. Hello and welcome to the Hutton Sports Report, where the oracle that is the Hutton Helper disgorges its knowledge in the form of results for sports that you've never heard of and could probably have gone the rest of your life happily ignorant of their existence. Before I start, I have an apology. I'd like to apologise to all the commanders for whom the following information makes absolutely no sense at all. A bit like the scoring on dressage or working out the rules of cricket, we're not going to explain the rules. We're just here to cheer for the winners and commiserate with the losers. This week we have the Far Far Away Galaxy Crossing Cup, the All-In Sumo Heavyweight Trophy, the Goal Scoring Championship Ladder, the Wise Guys Skies Rise Prize Fighting Prize, the Long Distance Four-in-Hand, if you're lucky, carriage race. In the Far Far Away Galaxy Crossing Cup, Comet Bond dominated this week, presumably because the field has been left cleared by Lydia of the Void. Funny that you never see those two in the same room, isn't it? And we was never really pressed by the Welsh wizard Vija Starseed, despite his efforts to do his impression of a mustachioed die dastardly by throwing sticks of dynamite disguised as leeks. We had high hopes for the all-in sumo heavyweight trophy this uh, being this week's most entertaining event. But we reckoned without the devastating power that is the Hankey duplicates, led this time by Chris Hankey, the Colossus of Clones just didn't beat his, their, its nearest rival. The word trounced was invented for just such an eventuality. 
We presume that they were all working together, but although our lawyers have asked us to say that we don't have any direct evidence of collusion between the members of this titanic collection, we are allowed to finish the statement with a knowing wink for all the good that does on the radio. Oh. Chris Anke, obviously tired from organising his win, also entered the goal-scoring championship ladder and actually came first, but like all of the other competitors, failed to reach the minimum lap times and so the event was abandoned. The Wise Guys Skies Rise prize fighting prize went yet again to Alex Zuno, who managed to beat his score from last week and once more gets to spend all week trying to avoid looking smug as his was more than double the score of his nearest rival, Attic 2. The long distance, four in hand, if you're lucky, carriage race saw some new blood as Havoc managed to finish first in what has to be said was a low scoring competition. So, here are the classified results. Remember to use a black pen when marking your coupon and make sure you colour within the lines if you want a gold star. Comet Bon 92, Vija Starseed 58, Chris Hankey 116, Old Ed 43, Alex Zuno 272, Attic 2 121, Havoc 694, Yurina Yoshida 348, Hutton Academicals nil, Civil Service Spreadsheets Nil. Adrianians, nil. Gretna, love. Calcutta Rangers, Kabaddi. West Yorkshire Shin Kickers, sufficient. Viking, Gale Warning, South Easterly Gale Force 9, increasing severe Gale Force 8. <laughs> Soon. North at Sarah, Gale Warning, South Easterly Severe Gale Force 9, now decreased Gale Force 8. For your hunting pool scooping this week, you have one score draw and two no score draws. We do not have any results from the My Goodness Is It Still Brett River Boat speedrun to Hutton again this week. We think that this is either due to a data input error or more likely because today's pilots with their limited attention spans can't make it all the way to Hutton without getting distracted and following some shiny thing. Why don't you show us we're wrong or try out for one of the sports that we've covered all you need to do is go to hot.forthemug.com and download or register for the Hutton Helper. And be the truckingest trucker, like Havoc. Talking of which, could Commander Havoc please contact itookpart at huttonorbital.com and get and collect their Hutton Orbital decal kit, which this week consists of a collection of circles and rectangles in sticky back plastic that you can assemble into a semblance of our home. And do you know where you can stick it? On your ships and SRVs, obviously. Thank you very much, Apology Officer, for the obscure sports report. Right, uh, we have one more. Uh, well, it's an advert this time. An advert coming up, uh, followed by the Galnet Food Digest. We're looking forward to this one, the cutesy little rabbits episode. Um, but first, this is uh, from, I think it's a, a name you might remember from back in the day. Um, this is from or about Commander Karash and the Bay 69 nightclub. Greetings, Commanders. Looking for a good time while you let your boosters cool? Wanting a place that doesn't judge you, where you can meet like-minded Commanders and share tips? Where you can shake your boot into the early hours and wear glitter on your face? 
then Crash Landing Bay 69 is for you, the hottest dance club, well, only dance club of Hot Orbital. Open 24 hours for your boogie needs, entry fee is a win. Tell them Crash sent you, you get more than a free drink. Good evening, this is Amelia Hawk reporting for the Gullnet Food Digest. I try the galaxy's most rare and dangerous foods, so you don't have to. Tonight, we're heading to new pastures. Across to 47 SETI, specifically 47 SETI B3 one of two habitable worlds in the system. It's a traditional Earth-like, albeit terraformed, but in modern times, it's more than suitable for flora and fauna from old Earth. When terraformed, the planet was seeded abundantly with genetically engineered life. Since that point, nature has taken its course and the various animals and plants have evolved to suit their surroundings. Along with the usual smattering of herbivores, predators, insects, and aquatic life, the terraforming team introduced a familiar sight from the green fields of home, the humble rabbit. Knowing from Earth history what an invasive species rabbits are, the SETI rabbit was engineered in an attempt to keep the population low, with their fertility and selective reproduction changed to try and keep their numbers in check. Settler biologists McGregor and Harriet Potter, no relation to the infamous pirate, appear to have approached the gene splicing of the rabbit with more than a little guesswork, and very little in the way of proven science. In scenes reminiscent of the island of Dr Moreau, they appear to have created a monster, then released it from behind the safety of some inch-thick glass and armed with heavy artillery, as nature does. And this is confirmed on the Don's experimental Jurassic World in his home system. It finds a way. SETI rabbits have an unusual population distribution. For every one male rabbit, there are 10 female rabbits. The males, the ones that are sold as rare goods on the galactic food market, are small, timid, and to be fair, absolutely adorable to look at. Their female counterparts are an entirely different affair. They've evolved as part of a erectolagine arms race with the females of the species vying to be the one that gets to hop on the timid males and propagate the species. They're larger, more muscled, and the most violent rabbits you've ever seen. With nasty, pointy, sharp teeth, they roam fields in packs, hunting for unsuspecting, carrot-munching males. The females of this species is more deadly than the male. They're omnivores, having developed a taste for meat, and are often to be found fighting vicious bouts with rivals for the attention of the bucks. They're also mildly venomous, an adaptation they've developed in response to the local natural predators. The killer seti badger, related to the honey badgers of Earth rather than the more docile English cousins. The saber-toothed mole, and the rabbit-eating supergiant fang toad. Having fought, in many cases to the death, over the affections of the nearest male, the female rabbits stay close to their mate until such time as it dies of extreme exhaustion. 
or she tires of and eats him. As such, finding a male seti rabbit is extremely difficult, and not to mention dangerous, as the rabbit will soon as chew off your throat, as she will run and hide like her earthly cousins. Needless to say, the female rabbits are unappetizing, tough, and borderline inedible. Their mates, however, are delicious. Served roasted, with a nice red berry compote, and some fresh garden vegetables, and there's little that's tastier for a Sunday dinner. Seti rabbit stew is tender, flavorful, gamey, and a veritable, if rare, treat. So, I'm off to save a particularly fine specimen from sure death at the hands of some marauding does. The weather ending up in my pot is better than a few days of rampant rabbity fornication followed by being devoured by an angry-looking woman remains to be seen. I'm Amelia Hawke, and this is the Gullnet Food Digest. And they've spotted me, and my guide has advised me to run and find the nearest tree. Tune in next week for more, if I survive, that is. Thank you very much, Amelia. <clears throat> we hope you survived that experience. Those rabbits sound, they, they, they sound vicious. Um, but next on the show, it is time to head over to Sir N.E.T. and the sky tonight. and welcome once more to the sky tonight. I'm Sir N.A.T. and as ever I'm here to guide you through the skies around Hutton as well as the science sights and sounds of the galaxy we call home. As always I have with me to help educate, entertain and expunge our correspondent from Moot Noor, the supremely down to Hutton, the northern ninja himself, Norman Ski. Hello everyone. This week we'll be talking about those wonderful things called pulsars. I thought they were antique wristwear, but apparently I've been misinformed. So! What does it all mean? Oh, well that's caught me out. Aye, what does it all mean? A pulsar, from pulse and R, as in quasar, we'll be talking about those another time, is a highly magnetised rotating compact star. Usually neutron stars, but also white dwarfs, that emit beams of electromagnetic radiation out of its magnetic poles. This radiation can be observed only when a beam of emission is pointing towards the viewpoint of the viewer, much in the way a lighter can only be seen when the light is pointed in the direction of an observer, and is responsible for the pulsed appearance of emission. Neutron stars are very dense, much like those imperial clot hoppers, and have short, regular rotational periods. This produces a very precise interval between pulses that ranges from milliseconds to seconds for an individual pulsar. Pulsars are one of those candidates for the sort of ultra-high energy cosmic rays. The periods of pulsars make them very useful tools for astronomers. Observations of a pulsar in a binary neutron system were first used to indirectly confirm the existence of gravitational radiation. The first extrasolar planets were discovered around a pulsar and, in 1983, certain types of pulsars exceeded atomic clocks in their accuracy in keeping time. Imagine being one tough to time and with stopwatch for comparison. 
The first pulsar was observed in 1967 by Jocelyn Bell Burnell and Anthony Ewish. They observed pulses separated by 1.33 seconds that originated from the same location in sky and kept to astronomical or sidereal time. In looking for explanations for the pulses, the short period of the pulses eliminated most astrophysical sources of radiation, such as stars, and since the pulses followed sidereal time, it could not be human-made radio frequency interference. When observations with another telescope confirmed the emission, it eliminated any sort of instrumental effects. They nicknamed the signal to LGM-1, for little green men. It was not until a second pulsating source, or source eh, was discovered in a different part of the sky that the LGM hypothesis was entirely abandoned. Although LGM-1, by this term renamed to CP-1919, emits in radio wavelength, Pulsars have subsequently been found to emit invisible light, X-ray and gamma radiation wavelengths. The existence of neutron stars was first proposed by Walter Bard and Fritz Zwicky in 1934 when they argued that a small, dense star consisting primarily of neutrons would result from a supernova. In 1967, shortly before the discovery of pulsars, Franco Pacini suggested that a rotating neutron star with a magnetic field would emit radiation and even noted that such energy could be pumped into a supernova remnant around a neutron star, such as the Crab Nebula. The discovery of the Crab Pulsar later in 1968 seemed to provide confirmation of the rotating neutron star model of pulsars. The Crab Pulsar had a 33 millisecond pulse period, which was too short to be consistent with other proposed models for pulsar emission. Moreover, the Crab Pulsar is so named because it is located at the centre of the Crab Nebula, consistent with the 1933 prediction of Bard and Zwicky. The events leading to the formation of a pulsar begin when the core of a massive star is compressed during a supernova, which collapses into a neutron star. The neutron star retains most of its angular momentum, and since it only has a tiny fraction of its progenitor's radiance, and therefore its moment of inertia is sharply reduced, it's formed with a very high rotation speed. Beam of radiation is emitted along the magnetic axis of the pulsar, which spins along the radiation of the neutron star. The magnetic axis of the pulsar determines the direction of the electromagnetic beam, with the magnetic axis not necessarily being the same as its rotational axis, much as on Earth and other known planets. This misalignment causes the beam to be seen once every rotation of the neutron star, which leads to the pulsed nature of its appearance. In rotation-powered pulsars, the beam originates from the rotational energy of the neutron star, which generates an electrical field from the movement of the very strong magnetic field. This rotation slows down over time as the electromagnetic power is admitted. When a pulsar spin period slows down sufficiently, the radio pulsar mechanism is believed to turn off so-called death line. This turn-off seems to take place after about 10 to 100 million years, which means of all neutron stars born in the 13.6 billion year age of the universe, around 99% no longer pulsate. Three distinct classes of pulsars are currently known to astronomers according to the source of the power of the electromagnetic radiation. Rotation power pulsars, accretion power pulsars, Magnetars, where the decay of an extremely strong magnetic fluid provides the electromagnetic power. Although all three classes of objects are neutron stars, their observable behaviour and the underlying physics are quite different. There are, however, connections. 
For example, X-ray pulsars are probably old, rotationally powered pulsars that have already lost most of their power, and have only become visible again after their binary companions had expanded and began transferring matter to the neutron star. But what can pulsars do for us? The neutron highway, first named around 3303, is a network of charted and optimised routes that contain a high percentage of neutron stars and white dwarfs along the route. Systems that temporarily allow ships to supercharge their FSD via the neutron jet streams. These highways are a means for ships to traverse large distances between two sets of locations using far fewer jumps than the conventional method. The following research summary is courtesy of Commander Erimus. It has been proved that a 33 light year ship can travel almost 5,000 light years in less than 90 minutes using a predefined route. This shaved around one hour off the conventional travel method for a ship of that range across that kind of distance. But that does not mean that everyone will experience the same results. A lot of other variables need to be taken into account as well. Neutron travel can be deadly if you drop out a supercruise inside the neutron jet. This can occur by accident or by misjudging your position relative to the neutron star and hitting the automatic dropout zone while supercharging. You can avoid this 99% of the time if you zero your throttle during hyperspace sequence toward the neutron star. You can also avoid being sucked through the dropout zone by immediately turning away from the neutron star upon hyperspace exit and gliding into the far edge of the neutron star's plume to supercharge where you should have sufficient distance to ride the jet and exit the plume safely. But remember, nothing is 100% safe when neutron skinning. Until next week, I've been Sir NET. Stay safe, kids, if you plan on travelling Neutron Highway. This has been an Elfin safety announcement on behalf of truckers everywhere. He's been Norman Ski, and I can give two trumbles about the safety of elves. I'm just listening to the music. Yeah, there. Thank you very much. The sky tonight is just sort of drifting through the back of my mind there. Um, yeah, there have been all sorts of things going on in the real sky tonight recently. Obviously, with our Wayback Machine going back to the year, uh, was we on 2020, I think? Uh, or at least it was in March, which we're still in. Um, there, there was there was the, was it a close pass by Mars in the last couple of days? Yes, closest pass for 15 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's at, it, at its price. I think we're overtaking. No wonder she says you never visit. <laughs> yeah, I think we're overtaking Mars on the inside or something at the moment, aren't we? Which is why we're close to it. <laughs> oh, is that a race? I didn't know it was a race. Yeah, it is. The, the red planet and the blue planet had a race, but That'll all be Mars on the, wants to do is stuff his face. Stuff his face, yep. That'll be he eats everything he sees. Week. What? I says that'll be in the sports report next week. Yes, <laughs> from from asteroids to prickly trees. Um, yes. Yeah, and then also we, we've got a. Isn't there a, a meteor shower? One of these is it one of the annual ones coming up at the moment? Um, people out sky watching for uh, one of the. It, it's not the Perseids. It, it's the Draconid meteor shower, the isn't Draconids, it? Draconids, yeah. Yes, coming from uh, direction of uh, well Draco, which is sort of oh, up and left a bit if you look in the sky from Ursa Minor. And Ursa Major, the small and big buckets. Straight <laughs> straight up from the handle of the, the big bucket. There you go. The saucepan. You know, that one. The frying pan. Yeah. And it, it radiates <laughs> out into the, the frying pan. Yes. Yay. Oh. Ow. God. Fl- Flossie's, Flossie's favourite constellation. Yes. The skillet. <laughs> <laughs>
yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, up, up and left from Polaris, or yes. <clears throat> but it's um, so the Draconid meteor shower reaches its peak on, what does it say, Wednesday evening? Ah. Yes. But it's it obviously that's its peak. It's still going. It's, peak. Five, it's, still, it's still happening. About five shooting stars an hour. There you go. In the UK, we can, should be able to see if isn't it wasn't it, cloudy. Um, isn't it also like uh, this time is like the closest Mars will be to Earth in like two years? <laughs> Do you know funny that, Amelia? Time warp. <laughs> time warp. The Wayback Machine. Did you have all over yes. again? <laughs> somebody, somebody smacked the Wayback Machine. <clears throat> yes, it is. We're undertaking it on the inside, Amelia. Yeah. 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 The red planet and the blue planet had a race. Uh, but all red wants to do is stuff his face. Yeah, food, lovely food, glorious yes. food. Um, but so, yeah, there's this real stuff in the sky. Here we go. Yes, they're the most spectacular on the 6th and 7th and 7th of 8th. 7th and 8th. So, yes, tonight. Tonight. Yes. Um, but these are best seen in the evening after nightfall, which means in the UK, when we finish this show, you'll run outside and stare at the sky for a minute and then fall over. Possibly. East, to be exact, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, uh, we've also got the Orin Orionid Ooh, meteor Orionid shower once as well. Okay, yeah, which is twentieth, twenty first of October. I bet that's a belter. And then the, tor- <laughs> and then the Torrid Ooh, meteor shower. Day. Yeah, uh, and the Torrid meteor shower peaks over the ninth to tenth and tenth of, of October and tenth, eleventh of November. Sorry, ninth, tenth of November and tenth, eleventh of November. Yes, so we've got we've got three of them. Anything good for Boxing Day? <laughs> well, the, the way the way forward machine doesn't go that far. Oh, that's rubbish. We need a better way forward machine. Yeah, well, yes. Um, but yes, the thing is, if those meteor showers come out, remember not to stare at them. Definitely don't walk near any plants that are rattling and trying to kill you. And no. um, yes, triffids are bad. Don't, yeah, no triffids, please. But uh, other than that, yes, that was, that that was the. That was the sky tonight. We're getting into a time of year. I mean, it's, traditionally, it's that sort of time of year where you know you go out to the you know bonfires and um, in in mm-hmm. a few weeks' time, whatever. I don't know if those are, that's going to be happening much. I might just stand on my balcony and look up for a few hours to get that feeling while while setting fire to things. Maybe that'll work. Oh, should it? Well, yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, ruin my night vision. But yeah, it's that time of year <laughs> when so the the clear clear autumn skies um, are accessible in the evenings. You start getting some lovely views. Yeah. Has anybody looked up at the sky and gone, oh, I want to fly to that one, and then worked out what it is and gone there yet? Yeah, but it was a 747. From... <laughs> 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 no, I did look once and see uh, Beetlejuice, though, or Betelgeist. Um But I'd already been there, so I didn't go again. Mm-hmm. But I looked I... at it through a telescope, and it was red. And I thought, that's it, that's it. And then I used my, my app on my phone, and I went, yep, that's it. But uh, very exciting to see it was there, you know. Yeah, well, I managed uh, last year to get the telescope out and got a real good view of um, Saturn, the rings of Saturn. Mm-hmm. And ju- I mean, it really, really tiny. It's not a very powerful telescope, but you could see it and you could see the rings. It was a bit blurry, but, you know, it was fascinating, really, really fascinating to see, you know, having yeah. having flown there in a ship and flown around it a few times and well, crashed. I, you know, I did that in Jupiter once. Um, I got the telescope, and it was just a natural, National Geographic one and things, and I'm in the city centre. And I managed to get it trained on Jupiter. And when you zoomed in, when you looked with the telescope, you could see two moons either side of the planet. Oh, so the little was, tiny see, dots around it, yeah. Yeah, you could see the four biggest moons. Yeah, I could see. I think I, when I when I looked at Saturn, I, I could only pick out one of them. Mm-hmm. Well, that was but, Jupiter. Just a little different planet, spark. different moons. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, just say, uh, I know there are more. I mean, you know, Saturn's got loads, but there was one. It was just like a little tiny sparkle just mm-hmm. off to one side of it. Yeah, real. Yeah. And Venus is always easy to see. 
Venus is just it's yeah. pretty it's the second brightest thing after the moon. It's just, very, just don't very bright. try don't try and see Uranus because you'll throw no, your back out. No. <laughs> you'll hurt yourself. Yeah. You're cooking your leg. Without without <laughs> the use of a really big mirror. And yeah, and I'm talking about astrophysics here. I'm not talking about anything else. Well, that, that, well, I didn't get panned for that one, so I'm all right. Um, yeah. Well, look, thank you very much, everybody. It's it's been a fun show, and uh, it is still March, so we 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 might get to March. The what is it? Two hundred and I can't remember what it is now. Two hundred and thirteenth. 213th sometime soon um and you know obviously thank you very much to our sub uh, to our listener for the submission as well i, I thought that was quite good well palantir what did you what did you reckon oh yeah I mean, yeah i think it's very nice to get stuff from outside yeah I, more people yeah, should was, do it uh, and, yeah. and what jokes in it two of them yes yeah. yes but it's, it's, we always welcome any of those kind of submissions. So, you know, it, it could be silly adverts. It could be little sketches like that. It could be general Tom Fillery like LCU. Oh, yeah. Um, if, yeah if <laughs> well, you, had, you had to drag that up, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, uh, yeah, but, um, well, this is, I mean, that's that's the first submission for that person. They might send us more. Who knows? Yeah, and so it, it's... Commander checks might have more for us. Yeah, well, we, we'll have to get back to them, obviously, with a, with a big thumbs up for, uh, you know, please, yep. please, you know, do, do more because... Everybody gets sick of listening they're, to us. They're watching the. I've yeah. seen them in the chat. They're watching the the show. Well, look, oh, thank good. you very much to the pair of them. That was that was really enjoyable. Yeah, it was and, really good. Yeah. I liked um, I liked as well that there yeah, was just was. just a wee thing. But when they were asking the question, you get the question or the interviewer asking the questions, and then Commander Chicks would reply. You could hear the ship noises in the background. So they oh, yes. obviously had to think about that as well, which was really good. Yeah, and and uh, obviously sure they just didn't have the uh, window with... open, and there was traffic going past. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's little cars that go around the inside of the station. Do you know what? That's one of the questions about. You know, we get to walk around stations when yeah. you stand inside one of those um, little control towers. I'm assuming that that's what it is from the pictures we've seen. And you look out, you can see the little cars going around around the same way as you do. And mm. it wouldn't be good to get on one of those little yellow cars just just for a bit. And, you know, I remember take it Commander Balzac. Uh, Harry yeah, Balzac. No, that's the first two Harry guys. Balzac. The first two Harry Balzac interviews. Yeah. Bugger, then, isn't it? The, Inside the lorries yeah. and inside the conning towers. Oh dear! Yeah. Oh dear! Fake news. Yeah. Oh, there's still the buses. We haven't. There's buses mm-hmm. going. Some of them as well. Yes. So yeah, you the, can, you can take the bus. Yeah. Well, the the other bit is that you know the the, the big the big rings which have got all of those sort of plants and buildings. Isn't there a, co- a copy of the old Frontier headquarters inside one of the um, the glass domed rings? Oh, was that? I didn't know that. Yeah, oh. if you fly over the glass dome rings round, yeah, which station is it? Is, is it not the Orbis or the Ocella? No, it's the Orbis, isn't it? When they've got the rings around them. If you fly over mm. there, one of the buildings that's in there is actually modelled on the original Frontier HQ before they moved to the so new that's in the that's the big, uh, the big orbital ring, the big habitation ring? Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. I need to go and look for that. So it's so all either, that. Yeah. Yeah. either be Orbis or Ocella, so I'll have to go and look for that. Yeah, so the one, the ones with the big transparent rings, you can see, and there is one of the buildings, that if you go to your, your Google Earth and go down the road from their current headquarters down to the previous one, it's literally mm-hmm. just, just a couple of doors down. Um, and yeah, so they've actually modelled their original office building uh, in the rings there. I'll have to go ah, and look for that. That's excellent. Yeah, and, and of course, uh, you know, there's other things like when you go to some of those installations and they've got the, you know, um, agronomic domes with yes. the plants growing inside. Mm. If, and I'm saying if, all of the leg stuff goes well and we actually get to go in those, you know, under the dome. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. And, and walk around, you know, it's like a prefab atmospheric landing. You know, it could be a nice little precursor to walking around on, on yeah. tree-filled it's a, worlds. It's a little bit of park yeah. landing, things like that, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But obviously, if you go into the stations like O'Connor, you, you know, they've got the little lakes in there. Of course, those are all hollow lakes. Are you sure? I think they're lake lakes. 
No, no, they're they're hollow lakes. That was that was confirmed at the point that it was. Um, ah, okay. They, they were put in. They they are hollow lakes. Those ones. So those aren't real lakes where those statues are, like grandly standing, holding mm. big things. Um, so yeah, those are actually hollow lakes rather than real lakes. We were doing some science experiments on on the forums earlier in the week about um, gravity because people were saying, "Hang on, hang on, hang on." I I get it on a spinning station, but but mm-hmm. you know, Hutton Orbital, there is no gravity here. I mean, your, your magnetic shoes. Hutton Orbital may be spinning, though. You just don't know. It could be. Well, people were saying, is it Velcro shoes? Is it magnetic? You know, metal mag boots? It's, well, um, it's mag boots for everything else, isn't it? Mag boots on your ship, because there's zero gravity in your ship, which yep. is why, you, why you've got handles are way up high and weird places. Well, there was, there was somebody reach. asking, well, that's just nonsense, because the ships are clearly designed as if, if they're designed for, you know, having gravity. Well, yes, because you can go onto planets with gravity on it. So, yes. of course they are. And space stations with with gravity on them. So they've still got all the handles on the ceiling for when you're in zero yeah. G, but obviously when, you, when you're coming down to a, a rocky moon or whatever else, there is gravity. So they are designed to have a way up. It's not like mm-hmm. the International Space Station where they, the only way is anywhere you can feel like. Yeah. All the floors are cupboards. Yeah. But we were trying to work out um, the, the speed you needed to spin at what distance so that you wouldn't vomit. Mm-hmm. And it worked out at something like you had to be 300 meters from the axis at 2 RPM, and that was perfect. Okay. And funnily enough, if you study the size of the Coriolis stations, the bit where yeah. you stand in there is exactly the bit you need to be in without your inner ear being messed up. So the design ah, of it okay. is actually whether it's a happy accident or somebody thought about that when they designed it. I think somebody thought about it because I'm pretty sure that when you go out, the distance from the the core to the habitation ring is two kilometers, which mm-hmm. is at that speed is the right distance to generate one G. Yep. And the, and the docking bay itself, you've got point one G, which yep. uh, the, the reckon is very very good if you want to land the spaceship softly and safely. And also mm-hmm. very good for moving big amounts of cargo. Yeah, because they, they they work out that it's it's something like um, I'm trying trying to work out the maths. If if you were doing, uh, was it two two RPM to twenty five RPM at that distance? Oh, there, there, I was trying to work out the the sums on it, but there there's, yeah. there's a or um, there, there's a a speed where your inner ear gets messed up and. Um, you know, you start feeling really, really sick. So even though you've got your 1G gravity, if you're spinning too fast, your inner ear just, that's it, game over, because all of the fluid and it goes to one side. It was fascinating. But yes, you're absolutely right. These stations are scientifically accurate, and they don't mm. need artificial G. No. And However, don't put... try running towards mm. the axis, because then yes. you get really unwell. You yeah. get and really, if, really unwell. If you start to feel a bit sick, you can just put on those wee bracelets you get for travelling with the with the half a golf ball thing in them, or the half oh, a yeah, yeah. The, the, ping pong, your... the pressure yeah. on your wrist. Yep. But I'm sure that'll come up with something to stop us feeling quite so well. Of course, everybody in space, we've all grown up in space. Well, you may have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that explains the lack of bone density and the muscle yeah. wastage. Yeah. I was not, I grew up in the high G world, I think. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. well, Skiprat was from a very low G world. Very possibly, yes. Yeah. No, just very, Skiprat's just from a very low world. Yes. Well, yeah. Right. Well, look, um, it all got a bit of science at the end there. But yes, go and have a look at those rings of the stations and go and fly over them. Just just practice a bit of your flight assist off. Just you know, put your nose at them and just have, have a look and drift. And just mind the gantries as they come past over your head, though, because they do hurt. <laughs> a bit like the put myself in danger. 
Yeah. Or and, and if you if you're an expert at flying it, obviously you can always take multi crew because it's Hutton approved. Multi crew is definitely Hutton approved because it's PWP. Oh, yeah. um, get somebody in your multi crew and and take them on a tour to maybe something they haven't seen. So if you do find that um, frontier building, grab a few friends. Go look. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, right, well, that's enough from us. Thank you very much to Amelia and Flossie and to the Apology Officer and to Palantir, who is... Well, hopefully we're talking enough between segments that you're not too stressed. What, me? No, no, no. He, I think he is very... No, he's, he's very calm. I, I suspect that Mrs Palantir is mopping his brow for him at this very second. No, she's, she's in another room watching TV. No, no, there, there have been a few digital uh, issues tonight in that I pressed the wrong button with my finger, but other than that, perfect. Seamless. Well, no, I mean, from, from all of us, a big, big round of applause. Yay! Yay! You have, you have popped your hut and cherry on being a being a tech monkey. You are now a hut and tech monkey. Yay! And you make your brief to press buttons and make things happen. Yes. 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 Press buttons, things definitely happen. You have the power. Right, on, on that basis, as you have the power, it remains for me to say good night, everybody. Good night to our listener. Good night to the radio crew. Um, yeah, Flossie, the Apology Officer, Amelia, Harry Balsack, and I wish you a very good evening, and we will catch you next week when I think it's um, Commander Ventura, Norm back on the decks, or maybe Harry's so addicted he's going to do it again. Yeah, I'm, 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 due, I'm due for my first practice run next week. Oh, bum. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you've got a For the Mug lined up, uh, if you'd like to take it away and then take it out for the end of the show, sir. Will do. So what's the last thing we say? For the, for the Mug! The mug.
today Super cruising all across the Milky Way We'll take anything, anytime, anywhere So shout it out loud like you don't even care Father Buck, Father Buck Yeah, you know just where I'm coming from Father Buck, Father Buck Now everybody sing the hot and trucker song And there we are. Oh, yes. Did we lose our news theme there? Did we break the bong machine again? It all went quiet. <laughs> it oh. all went very quiet. That's much well, There's somebody inexperienced at the helm. That's the problem. I think there's a prescribed number of bongs per week. And I think we were doing double bongs at the start, so we obviously ran out. We ran out of bongs. <laughs> yeah. Somebody feed the meter. Somebody feed the meter. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the show. Everybody's buggered off now, so 